I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hello, welcome to Customer Experience R&R with myself, Richard Knight, and Ryan Huxtable. Um, you may well have missed us last week. We apologize for not being around and providing you with great insight, but uh, we took we took uh, the uh, the decision to, uh, to have a week off. Uh, everybody was uh, off out and about in the virtual uh, half term, weren't they, Ryan? So uh, so I was mostly spending my time getting rid of my beard. What did I say? Where, where have we gone? Where have we gone? Well, it's the sun, you see. The sun's out, so I thought, of, you know, otherwise I'll have a very odd tan mark. So, well, uh, Rich, <clears throat> I thought I thought I was chatting to Richard Jr. You look about 10 years younger. That's it. Thank you. I shall pay you later. <laughs> pay you later. Um, so what, what did you get up to last week, Ryan? Well, well, um, <clears throat> whilst, whilst I was having a week off for half term, Rich, um, I did catch up with um, one, of, one of my clients last week. Um, really nice guy, Ben Travers. Uh, ben is... Um, a partner <clears throat> at uh, at Stephen Scone, Stephen Scone, uh, a big law firm down in the down in the West Country, um, and um, uh, Ben heads up the uh, IPIT intellectual property team uh, at, at Stephen Scone Exeter. <clears throat> and um, I was really curious to to chat to Ben about how he saw um, businesses moving their pivoting their business online and you know, what sort of experience he'd had from that and what sort of questions were businesses asking him about protecting their, their USP and more importantly, protecting their, their customers online. Um, because obviously when you take your customer journey online, you take your customers with you online and you, you hope to give them a great experience. But we, we've seen, haven't we, Rich, in the last couple of weeks, I think EasyJet is the, the, the latest one that have lost a load of customers' data and so the experience those EasyJet customers are going to be getting isn't going to be great. So, so Ben gives us some great hints and tips actually. And he also um, he also talks a lot about how he's seeing his clients and consumers becoming more demanding um, of of uh, his services as as we we sort of journey out of out of lockdown. So, um, do, you, do you want to hear what he said? Yeah, let's uh, let's hear what he said. Well, good morning, Ben, and delighted to um, be chatting to you this morning um, on our uh, next R&R uh, CX um, chat. Uh, this week, um, uh, we're delighted to uh, have Ben Travers uh, from Stephen Scone, um, one of the uh, local law firms next to come talk to us about how Ben is seeing um, the client experience at the moment through the eyes of uh, the professional services sector. So, Ben, tell us a little bit about what, what you do at Stephen Scone and what discipline of law you, you look after. Uh, yeah, so I head up the intellectual property, IT and data protection team, uh, which is a really broad uh, offering. We, uh, in a nutshell, uh, help businesses in their interaction with technology. So wherever technology and the law interact, really helping them to uh, identify, protect and uh, exploit intellectual property assets. And in the, 
the current situation, a lot of that work is around helping businesses either to rapidly develop some digital technologies, digital solutions to help deal with what's going on, uh, otherwise broadening their, their digital footprint or, or maybe um, interacting online in different ways. Wow. Gosh, that keeps you busy, I'm sure. Um, so, Ben, what are you noticing about consumers at the moment? Obviously, it's been a really tricky time for business and um, many businesses will still be thinking about getting back to work. Some some businesses will be back at work. What are they telling you about how they, they're, they're feeling from a legal perspective? Uh, but also, are they being more demanding now than perhaps they were at the beginning of the crisis? I think this really interesting uh, trends around that at the moment. Was one thing that we're certainly noticing is that when, when all this first started, uh, there was a lot of short-termism in the decisions that were being made for obvious reasons, people wanting to, to survive uh, and making quick decisions, perhaps without thinking about the longer-term consequences that would flow from those. And as I think businesses start to realise that this might go on a little longer than they at first thought, um, that short-termism is starting to disappear. And, and some of those early decisions are being revisited. Um, new decisions are being made with uh, some long-term planning, which is which is really good. Um, and also, we're seeing some businesses who perhaps traditionally were, were relatively reluctant to, to use digital technologies, um, who are seeing how this could be a really advantageous thing and, and changing their business plans uh, in positive ways to take advantage of some of the opportunities that are flowing. So that's, that's certainly been a, a, a shift. The sorts of issues that we're being asked to advise on are, are changing slightly as well as, as we're seeing more businesses looking perhaps at some of the opportunities. Um, so perhaps they are speeding up uh, their plans, things that they were going to be doing anyway, new product releases, uh, new digital solutions, those sorts of things, uh, which you know might have had a, a lead time of 12, 18 months. That's being massively uh, shrunk down. So you're talking about just a couple of months or, or a few weeks. There's certainly, I think, uh, a, a, an atmosphere of, of trying to turn things around as, as quickly as possible. Um, and, and that's partly, I think, um, to do with the current situation. It's partly to do with people um, working from home and uh, they haven't got the normal distractions that were going on. Uh, and, and perhaps in the early days, it was also about people trying to, to prove that they could be trusted to work from home and get things turned around quickly and efficiently, even though they weren't in the office. And how's that been for you working at home? Have you, have you found that easy? I mean, I guess you're dealing with lots of you know, really confidential and difficult documents. And I, and I guess that, that's been a real change from, you know, you being in an office environment to, you know, perhaps sitting at your dining room table. Have you found that easy? I think, um, well, personally, I think I've probably found it easier than, than some others. But my nature of my role, I'm, I'm quite um, uh, nomadic anyway, so I don't spend too much time in the office. Most of my time is is client-facing, sitting down with businesses and, and visiting their premises and those sorts of things. So I'm, I'm quite used to it. Um, I think for, for some, it has been a, a, a learning curve. Um, and I think, generally speaking, um, I think that's been a positive experience. I've certainly spoken to a lot of people, as I'm sure you have, who um, have seen some real benefits from working from home uh, that they might miss um, when, when that's gone, whether that's... Um, being able to spend a bit more time at home with the family or, or a bit less time in the car commuting, those mm. sort of Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just want to pick up on a point you made about you, you, you've seen businesses obviously changing uh, the way they do things because they've been in many respects forced into into doing that. Um, and um, in, in a number of our in a number of our previous podcasts, we've talked about this uh, this this thing called a pivot, you know, pivoting the business to do something you know to, to, do, to do something different. And certainly in, in, in our business at Insight Six, we've had to uh, think very differently about how we 
coach, mentor, how we measure customer experience for clients uh, through some of those digital mediums. Uh, and also, you know, how we train, you know, and, you know, for the first time ever, Ben, you, I know you'll find this hard to believe, I took out a Zoom subscription. Um, but it's been a revelation. And, and actually, the way I think about how I'm going to do business perhaps going forward will be very different in terms of the fact that, you know, perhaps rather than me driving 90 miles to carry a training session, um, I may now do that from the office, um, you know, and, and do that in a much sort of uh, more digitally based way rather than, you know, physical face-to-face because, you know, there, there are lots of benefits. I haven't seen any downsides to the uh, the client or the delegate experience. And actually, if I think from an environmental perspective, I'm not polluting the atmosphere with, you know, tons of CO2 driving to, uh, drive into a, to a, to a training session. So personally, I've seen that, but, but I often worry actually, uh, Ben, that, you know, I'm putting all of this data online and my intellectual property is going online. And, and I've never really thought, and you, you prompted the thought process when I was listening to you earlier, never really thought actually once that, once I've done that and it goes online, actually, you know, do I still own the intellectual rights to that, that, that data? Yeah, and that's a, a good um, a good question. Something that we're we're seeing again uh, at the moment. A, a question we're being asked more and more. So, um, lots of people are using lots of different online platforms for all sorts of different purposes. Maybe they were using them before, and they're just um, up to their usage. Maybe they're coming to them for the first time. They're using those tools to communicate both internally with colleagues, uh, but also with with customers. And some of them are, are really painless at what they do. They make life very very easy. Um, but all of them are, are tools. And just like any tool, it's about making sure that you're using the right tool for the right job. And um, I'm afraid one of the essential things for understanding about whether tools are being used in the right way is just plowing through the terms and conditions. Um, I know I sound like a, a lawyer on that, but um, I am a lawyer, so apologies for that. But there's no getting away from that. And what tends to happen is those, those terms and conditions set out the rules of engagement for those platforms. And usually they're written in plain English. And what sometimes happens is businesses will read the terms, they'll kind of understand them, but they'll also kind of dismiss them and they'll think, well, what's being asked there is so crazy or it's so far removed from what I would expect in a normal transaction that I just, I just won't compute it, I'll, I'll, I'll put that to one side. So I think the key thing is when you're reading those and you read something, you think, well, surely they don't mean that. They do. And, and it's just understanding that. So, for example, some of the platforms, depending on how you use them, might have quite sticky terms when it comes to intellectual property. So they're not necessarily taking away ownership of intellectual property, but they are making sure that you give them a license to use that intellectual property for any purpose. And crucially, that you're giving a license to other people using that platform. It's something that we saw a lot in the early days of social media, where people would upload lots of content, for example, training materials or imagery, um, and would then later struggle to commercialise it because of the small print on the platforms that they'd um, lost their right to do so. So, yeah, definitely definitely worth doing, and, and a different topic altogether, but um, also from a privacy point of view and cybersecurity and a confidentiality point of view, making sure that the the platforms are the right platform for the job, you're sharing the right source of information, all of that stuff's really important and, and never more so than at the minute when we've got a, an increase in people using these platforms. And, and, and are you um, having to spend quite a bit of time talking to your clients about the importance of that now the world's moved on, Ben? 
Yeah, it's certainly something that people are, are starting to be aware of, and it's 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 really basic stuff which often gets overlooked because it's you know not necessarily the most exciting thing, and it's it's part of a project that perhaps isn't considered until um, the wheels have come off. Uh, but for those that are getting into that mindset, as I say, of making some longer term decisions, they're taking a step back, deep breath, and they're planning things through. For those businesses, it's certainly at the forefront of their minds. Yes. What are you noticing about the, your clients, Ben, in terms of how they're getting back up on their feet? You know, they've got a plan of, you know, how are they communicating that and, and, and are they testing it? It's a, a real mix. So um, I think, as I say, that people are gradually moving out of this sort of short-termist survival mode. Um, we're seeing a lot of um, businesses interacting with their customers, trying to find out what those customers want. Um, I think one of the things that I've noticed is that uh, consumers seem to be getting a little less patient um, with businesses they're dealing with. When uh, when, when lockdown started, um, consumers, I think, had a lot of patience and a lot of understanding for why things might take a bit longer or, or why things might not happen. Um, but now the general excuse of we can't do it because of lockdown is starting to wear a bit thin for some consumers. So businesses are certainly having to up their game a little bit um, and, and consumers are expecting the same experience, the same conversation as perhaps they would have had in a traditional environment. So that's something that um, a lot of businesses I've noticed are having to, to react fairly quickly to, um, which perhaps also links into why so many of them are, are jumping onto lots of online free platforms to help them to, to do that, to help them communicate. Um, I think we're seeing also a lot of businesses having to come to terms with and unpick some of the stuff that's going on with the way in which they share and transfer data. Um, so lots of businesses, uh, as people will know, have spent a lot of blood, sweat and tears in terms of the GDPR. And, and I'll, I'll try not to use that acronym again because I know that um, it will cause a lot of people to, to switch off. But uh, they'll have been doing a lot of work on that only to have thrown it out of the window when they started working remotely um, because they're using platforms or they haven't thought about the way in which that information is securely transferred. And, and what businesses often misunderstand with that is that a lot of that comes down to the customer experience and comes down to the reputational issues um, for, uh, for, for data subjects. So businesses interacting with consumers, those consumers will expect their data to be treated with respect and to be treated securely. And, and if, if a business is a victim of a cyber attack and a data subject's data is um, uh, put at risk as a result of that, they're not going to be happy with the excuse while we were working from home. It was a different environment and, and we were using different tools. So I think businesses need to start thinking about how they're going to deal with that situation properly, particularly now that it looks like we're in a bit of a, a longer term uh, way of working in this way, because it goes to the heart of consumers trust in a brand. And it's certainly an area where in the early days there was no planning. And now there's an awful lot of thought going into it. If you look at businesses, big name businesses that have been the victim of breaches or attacks in the past, sometimes there is a, a negative impact on their share value, but the lasting impact tends to be reputational hit and the, um, the customer's expectations of their experience with that business going forward. After all, if the business can't look after the data, that's going to raise some questions for the customer. It's, it's, a, it's a great point you raised, Ben, and I'm sort of sat here listening to you and I'm thinking, you know what, um, this, this application we've had week after week after week, Richard and I, talking about having a plan, communicating it, and then testing it. 
is just as relevant in 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 sort of that digital workplace for a business. Uh, reputationally and, and from an advocation perspective, because you know the worst thing I, I noticed this this uh, just very uh, yesterday I believe um, uh, when uh, or sort of earlier in the week when EasyJet came out and said that they had been um, hacked by they believed it was um, uh, uh, a Chinese hack that they had uh, on their on their data back in January, um, and um, you know again I, I use EasyJet. Quite, or have used EasyJet quite frequently in the past and my credit card details are stored on the website and it, and it really does make you think actually you know actually you know have I been have I been affected now thankfully so far <laughs> I haven't but uh, reputationally uh, EasyJet is uh, not perhaps held in the highest esteem that I, I perhaps once had it so this reputational piece you talk about and, and having a plan and communicating it and testing it to make sure that 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 doesn't happen is, you know, probably more important actually to make sure that, you know, digitally that that's right. And I think what's also interesting, one of the things we've noticed at Insight 6, Ben, is that lots of businesses, and, I, and I've, I've waxed lyrical about this before, put a technical solution into their customer journey um, and they don't wrap it in love. They don't check with the client that that's what they want or they don't check with the client that the client understands how to use it or the benefits of that new system to the client. Um, and, and crucially, making sure the client understands that their data is secure and that it's not going to go anywhere and that you're adhering to all of the rules and regulations that you've mentioned. So it, it, it's a it's a fascinating, fascinating subject. Um, so a resounding... You've heard it, guys, from, uh, from, from as Ben said, a lawyer. Uh, you need to plan it. You need to communicate it. You need to test it. So, ben, any, anything else you, you want to share? I think that's really useful, useful insight. I think um, these things work best when businesses don't look at things in, in, in a silo. So we're talking about customer experience. We're talking about legal issues. We're talking about the PR impact of, of a reputational fallout. And I think um, it, it's important that businesses continue to view that all of those issues in the round these things are all really interlinked and so a business that's worried about its reputation might think about its pr plan but it also needs to be thinking about its um trademark issues it needs to be thinking about how the choices it's making now are going to impact on that reputation and, and how those individual employees that are working remotely how they're feeling culturally how they're going to communicate that brand and so on so i think what you've been talking about there is a really good illustration of how uh, this all comes together, um, different disciplines, but works at its best and its strongest when all those parties are talking to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, Ben, thank you for your time. Really appreciate your time uh, chatting to me today and um, take care and stay safe. Great, thank you. Well, that was, that was an interesting uh, 12, 14 minutes, wasn't it? What, what, what did you think of what Ben had to say then? He, uh, he, he was... It was very lawyerish, wasn't it? We got a lot of detail there. <laughs> well, I take my detail head off because it's quite easy. Uh, no, I, I, it's really interesting that even when you're talking about uh, the specifics and the detail in reading contracts and making sure when you're going online, you know the impact that you can have around that GDPR. Sorry to swear. Uh, piece. It's really interesting that that the impact that has on your customers' experience. We use the term time and time again, but it's really, really true. The processes that you then look to go to because of the situation we find ourselves in, i.e. going online, can 
put in place the need to think about uh, online security and all those sort of things. But the impact that that actually has, if it doesn't quite work, is the impact on your customer's loyalty and the confidence levels that those customers have. So even from a tech point of view, it actually impacts on people's feelings, even if it don't you know, correlate the two significantly together. It always comes down to that emotional state that your customers are left in or find themselves thinking about. So that's that's the, the main thing I picked up from that. And, and and the EasyJet example you gave earlier is, you know, I've been in that situation. I received an email from them saying that details have been taken, but it wasn't the, you know, the card details, um, which, you know, you do think, oh, they're great. But I'm still thinking, oh, you know, EasyJet now, are they the right ones? Should I be, you know, using them? Should I just go online, take everything off, close my account down, not have anything to do with them because I'm not 100% sure, not confident around that? So for me, it's a really big, you know, great one to come from Ben and really, really good insight from him. So, yeah. That, that's well, the interesting. Key. How do you, because I'm an EasyJet customer as well, and, and um, one of the things I've liked about the online experience with, with, with airlines in general and I've got two airline apps, I've got the BA app and the, and the, and the EasyJet app, is, is what I've noticed in the, last, um, in the last few years is all of that stuff that you used to have to do at the airport, <clears throat> turning up, you know, God knows how many hours before and, you know, standing in the queue, putting your bag on the scale. Um, when you're going on a short-haul flight, and, we, and, and I did this with some friends when we went to Amsterdam last, last October before we were locked down, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> the... the, the the process of, of, you know, here we go again, he's on about it again, but the voice of the process was really simple. You know, you did all your online check-in, you knew what size your bag had to be, you walked in, uh, you did all your stuff, uh, put, you put your baggage labels on, on, on the, um, the self-service machines, there were people around to help, and it was really easy. So actually, my trust in that app and doing all of that stuff and putting your, you know, putting all your passport details and all that other stuff, the API check and whatever you, you know, <clears throat> it does make you think, it does make you think when, um, you know, you consider doing it again, do I do it or do I just go yeah. back and stand in the queue? Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I thought you made some great points. I thought, you know, what was, was really interesting, you know, picking up on a couple of things you said there, um, I thought <clears throat> his point around his customers or his clients are becoming less tolerant of poor process now. You know, people are, and we said this, um, I think it was in episode four, um, <clears throat> we said, you know, customers, as soon as we start to come out of lockdown, people will expect your <clears throat> brand to be up and running really quickly. And people are very unforgiving at times. Um, and you could say rightly so, actually, because businesses have had um, plenty of weeks to get their act together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Think about what the new normal, I mean, God, that's what we've been talking about, isn't it? Getting prepared for coming back, having a plan. How are people going to get in, get it, get out? You know, um, yeah, yeah. so you know that. The, the, but I think the other bit I just want to say on this um, before we close it off is um, really, really good businesses that have given people great experiences during this lockdown period, and they've taken their business and their customer journeys online, um, and, and they've done that really successfully. Whether that's through you know Zoom, Teams, whatever it is. <clears throat> and then they've started to update all of their uh, contact lists and all that kind of stuff. The question I want to pose to businesses listening to this is a very simple one. You've done a great job at keeping your business going. You've done a great job at creating a great experience. You've thought about the voice of the process, the customer and your team, your team and your customer. 
Don't undo all of that by having shoddy online security. Don't undo all of that by not making sure your USP is protected because, you know, brands can live or die in a day now, um, you know, if they get things wrong. So, you know, making sure they are. I call it, I call it a Gerald Ratner. Do you remember him? Oh, yes. Legend of the man. Legend of the man. <laughs> Tell everyone his stuff was rubbish and then he didn't have a business. You know, genuinely, all joking aside, you know, you do not want the Ratner effect to happen to your business because you have so, Absolutely. And I think that's the key thing um, just to finish up. Uh, it's a great interview with Ben. So um, thank him for, for uh, you know, sparing his time as you did. Um, we've got to plan it. We've got to communicate it. And then we've got to test it. So how do you know those processes you put in place are working and are doing the right things for your customers? They might be working your end, but are they working for the customers? How are you testing that that's the case? So... That's our message for, for this week. We will be back next week, won't we, Ryan? We'll, we'll be having somebody else to chat might. to next week as well. We might even be back at the end of this week. Because we might. Oh, have hey, two in one. Go- <laughs> okay, well, steady. Do you know what? Don't overpromise. I just have to say to the, to the lovely lady who messaged me on LinkedIn from Truro, she's a copywriter from Truro, and she said to me, Rich, Ryan, loving your R&R, keep it going, it's keeping me sane, is what she said. Hey. And I said, that's great. There's another top tip. Drink some cider and I'll help <laughs> Bring some cider. Well, I've been Rich, Rich Knight, and uh, he's been Ryan Uxtable. Thanks ever so much for tuning in again, and we will see you soon. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, see club for details.